means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 19th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. On Friday's show, we'll continue our special coverage of the Africa Cup of Nations football tournament, or AFCON, in Ivory Coast. It's the seventh day of competition at the African football showpiece. In Friday's opening AFCON match in Abidjan, Cape Verde beat Mozambique 3-0 to become the first team to advance to the knockout round of 16. Bebe, Mendez, and Pina with the goals for the Blue Sharks of Cape Verde, who topped their group with the maximum six points. The Blue Sharks of Cape Verde going to the knockout round in Ivory Coast. In AFCON results Thursday, Nigeria beat host Ivory Coast 1-0 on a 55th-minute penalty kick from William Trost Ekong. Equatorial Guinea defeated Guinea-Bissau 4-2. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to Emilio Ensue, who scored a hat trick for Equatorial Guinea. And Egypt and Ghana drew two all in a matchup between teams that have lifted the Nations Cup trophy a combined 11 times. All three matches on Thursday were played in the Ivorian commercial capital of Abidjan. Joining us now from Abidjan is VOA Nations Cup reporter Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty AFCON greetings, Muckbill. Sporty AFCON greetings, Sonny. The Black Stars of Ghana and the Pharaohs of Egypt draw two all in Abidjan. Quite a match, Muckbill. Your thoughts? Yes, Sonny, this was a match, my goodness, I don't even know what to say. Uh, You know, I I literally was watching the game in just awe. The entire stadium had, you know, Ghanaian flags across, and it was one of the few uh, games that I could say almost hit capacity. It was a really, really good turnout um, from the fans' perspective, just being in there Literally, I couldn't see an open seat near me in my section, but there were some others, uh, a few here and there, but it really looked good. Uh, I'm not sure how it looked on TV, but from the perspective of where I was at, it was packed. Energy was very high. Um, and, uh, yeah, the game ended up in a 2-2 draw. There were a few Egyptian fans here and there. Uh, they were ecstatic about being able to, to get level with Ghana. But when Ghanaians, when the Ghanaians scored – Mohamed Kudus, the young man that we've been talking about since the World Cup. Kudos for Kudus. Kudus for Kudus, man. <laughs> man, two brilliant goals uh, for Ghana. Second one really should have put the icing on the cake, should have been 2-1. Uh, but shout-outs to, uh, to Mohamed um, on the uh, Egyptian side as well, who was able to, to get level with Ghana only three minutes later from a defensive error both goals both egyptian goals were unfortunately uh the the ghanaians in the back line made two crucial mistakes in that right back position it may have been the same player but it definitely came from the same position um two back passes or kind of just playing around in the back 
that caused uh, Egypt just to see a light of day and, 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 and penalize them and, and make sure that they were clinical from inside the box. Muckbill, I understand Liverpool star Mohamed Salah was injured in the match. Yeah, Sonny. He was playing uh, relatively well, um, but I really can't call what happened. Uh, I saw a possession, and it seemed like it was one of those injuries that may have happened, uh, like a no-contact type of injury, maybe a hamstring or something. I don't know what it was, but he actually was seated. Uh, just on the ground for a bit while the game was being played. And I know Mo Salah is not one of those players who kind of, you know, uh, embellishes on, on, on being on the floor to, to waste time and stuff like that. So I, I, I had a feeling that it was pretty serious and he ended up getting substituted out before even the first half was done, Sonny. So we don't know the extent of his injury. I really hope that he's not injured uh, for his sake. Uh, I know, you know, our colleagues, our Liverpool fans uh, are going to be devastated if he comes back from this AFCON uh, to their club level um, injured. So hopefully he's able to stay healthy. Egypt will definitely need him for that last game because they've drawn two games to get out of this group. They're going to need a win against Cape Verde. Um, so we'll see. Muckbill, the Pharaohs of Egypt now have two points in the Group B table. Ghana with one point. Uh, looks like the Pharaohs are better positioned at this this stage to advance. Absolutely, and this is this is what why it's so important and so critical to not you know make mistakes that you know you can kind of avoid. Um, if Ghana wins this game, they're sitting very very pretty in this game in this team because they would have had three points uh, in that group. Uh, now at the very bottom of the group. Muckbill, also in Abidjan, the Super Eagles of Nigeria take a huge step towards advancing towards the last 16 with a 1-0 victory over the host team, the Elephants of Ivory Coast. William Trost Ekong with a penalty kick in the 55th minute. Funny, to be honest with you, Ivory Coast did everything but score. Um, they had more ball possession. They had more shots on goal. They had more shots in general. Unfortunately for them, they're still playing without their superstar striker, Sebastian Haller, who is still injured. Uh, and maybe because of not having him up top, they just haven't had – they didn't really have the, the, the luck to kind of, you know, get any of these shots on. Uh, but really, Nigeria stuck it through. And, you know, when you have a player by the quality of, uh, of uh, Victor Osimhen, he makes it very challenging for defenders. And he's the one who ended up drawing the, the, the penalty kick because he just gets into these spaces um, and, and makes it very, very hard for defenders uh, to defend him in the box. Sporty greeting, this is Victor Osimhen, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC forward. You're listening to the sunny side of thoughts on The Voice of America. Shout out to Victor and, and the Super Eagles uh, for able of being able to, to 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 get the job done. But as you mentioned, uh, Trust Ekong was the one who scored the PK. I wonder why uh, Victor didn't take it. He he had a few shots and maybe shots weren't going uh, the way that he would have liked. A lot of pressure for him, I'm sure. Uh, so maybe he wanted somebody else to take the PK. But nonetheless, he was the one who drew it and you know, was able to get uh, the uh, the win for his team. So shout out to the Super Eagles. Uh, they're, they're in a very good position now with a draw and a win with four points. So 
things are looking on the up and up for Nigeria. And Mukbil, uh, as you mentioned, Nigeria with four points, uh, Equatorial Guinea also with uh, four points after a uh, big 4-2 victory over Guinea-Bissau. Uh, man of the match, Emilio Ensue with a hat trick for Equatorial Guinea. And uh, I think that puts him at the top of the uh, goal-scoring charts at this Nations Cup, Mukbil. Absolutely, Sonny. I think Equatorial Guinea really, really showed uh, the high quality and high class that they have. They, they continually were were pressing the game. Uh, to be fair, uh, they scored an own goal uh, um, on themselves, uh, giving one of the goals to Guinea-Bissau. So if it were just about what Guinea-Bissau were able to score, uh, they scored one goal in extra time. Uh, Emilio Insue scored three goals. A fun fact about him is for his club team, uh, he plays the left-back position and has always played the left-back position uh, for this club. And for country, he plays striker. So that is just one of those interesting, interesting things uh, where a player plays in a certain position, um, you know, for their club, and, and then they play a completely different position for their country. Now, um, Alfonso Davis um, does similarly the same thing. Um, he plays in the back um, for Bayern Munich, but when he plays for Canada, he plays up top as a winger uh, because of his speed and his athleticism. The Canadians feel as though like he, he can get into certain positions. So sometimes it might be confusing uh, for fans maybe that aren't, you know, watching it all the time or are not familiar with uh, the player's uh, all the time, you you may see a player like a Davis and and see that he plays in Bayern Munich and he's in the back, and then Canada, he's playing up top. You're wondering, is this the same guy? Do they have the same name? What's going on here? You know, so it, it's very rare, uh, but in certain instances it happens, and uh, sometimes it ends up working out. You know, I think I like Davis uh, up front as well, but I can understand why uh, Byron has him in the back because of his athleticism and his speed and his pace can match uh, what wingers uh, bring to the table as well. So it works out for both parties, I guess. Muckbill, uh, there have been reports about problems with ticket distribution at this 34th Nations Cup. Uh, have you been able to uh, witness uh, any issues with the ticketing? Yeah, absolutely, Sonny. Uh, yesterday, uh, outside of the stadium, uh, Spade Felix, uh, there was a, a group of Ghanaian fans that were trying to purchase tickets at the stadium. As we've spoken about this in our past couple of segments, um, AFCON has decided that they no longer wanted to have those extremely long lines that they did in the past in Cameroon and uh, Egypt that, you know, they wanted these stadiums to just be in and out for individuals that already have their tickets and completely go virtual. The problem with going completely virtual is there have been issues and we've seen instances where a lot of stadiums have been relatively empty, have had ample seats, but for some reason you're unable to purchase the tickets online. It says that the tickets are unavailable. Uh, the Ghanaian fans uh, were aware of this, but thought that they may have been able to still purchase it from the stadium. Um, and they, you know, came and, and spoke to me about it and let me know that, uh, hey, we're, we drove all the way from, uh, from Accra and, you know, we want to get into the game to support our team, uh, the, the Ghana versus Egypt match. But unfortunately, we're being told that we cannot enter to try and purchase tickets. And to be fair, um, 
because of AFCON making that ruling, uh, the security and police or whomever is in front of the, the, the stadiums are told that they cannot let anybody in without a ticket. So that's why they were being told that they couldn't get in. So it's kind of like a situation where the, the security or, or the police officers really don't have any say in it because they're being told if a person doesn't have a ticket, they can't get in. And these folks are saying, hey, we came from all the way from Ghana and we want to get in. Uh, can you just let us try to get in? And they're being told no. So there's just a bit of, a, you know, uh, uncomfortable conversations happening between the two parties. Uh, and they were told to leave the premises. Muck Bill, uh, I'm looking at the official attendance figures uh, for some of the matches. Almost 50,000 at the Ivory Coast Nigeria match played at the Alassane Watara Stadium there in Abidjan. How important is it for Ivory Coast, the host team, to go far in this tournament, you know, in terms of attendance and the fans? Sonny, I think it's absolutely imperative. Because the second that Ivory Coast is not in the the rest of the tournament, if they are unable to advance out of these group phases, um, I do think that there will be a huge drop in attendance for the games. Because now you're seeing Ivorians across the country um, coming out and supporting the other games as well because their team is still in it. So they're still excited. But I don't know if that stands if – Ivory Coast is no longer in the tournament. Will they still have that level of excitement or is the excitement uh, kind of attached to the fact that, you know, Ivory Coast won in their opening game and they still have potential to come out of their group. So I'm interested to see what will happen depending on Ivory Coast is uh, their success in these group phases. So they're still in, in, in decent position. You know, they, you know, they, they lost the game if they won one. So it's not completely out of the picture. Uh, but at the moment, uh, the way that they're sitting, it's, it, they are in third place uh, because both Nigeria and Equatorial Guinea drew against each other and won in their other respective games. So um, in um, Ivory Coast's last game, they will be playing Equatorial Guinea it will be a huge, huge win for them if they're able to win. Um, they should be able to advance to, to the next round. Um, yeah, so that's – it's kind of like – the good thing about it is in their position that they're in right now, it's kind of like they have their fate in their own hands. It's not a variable of uh, somebody else has to lose and me winning. As long as they win, they'll be, they'll be through. VOA's Muck Bill Yabaro reporting from the Ivorian commercial capital of Abidjan and the 34th Africa Cup of Nations football tournament. Thank you, Muck Bill. Thank you, Sonny. Hey, folks, I'm Muck Bill Yabaro, and I have some electrifying news for you. AFCON 2023 is here, and I'll be at Ivory Coast covering all things AFCON for VOA Africa. We'll have exciting coverage on radio, TV, and all of our digital platforms. Make sure you check out VOAAfrica.com for AFCON updates. Stay locked right here on VOA Africa.
And stay locked right here on the sunny side of sports. For more reaction to Nigeria's 1-0 Nations Cup victory over host Ivory Coast, Iron Mike Mbonye called Abidjan, where he reached the chief football writer at aclsports.com, Fisayo Dairo. I believe it was a tough game for both teams, and it was an extremely tactical game. You know, when two of the top teams in the continent come toe-to-toe, you don't expect anything but um, the best in terms of tactics, in terms of um, of technical know-how of the coaches and the players on the pitch. I think, uh, yes, it was a low-scoring game, but both sets of players gave their all, and I must say congratulations to the Super Eagles of Nigeria for being a deserved winner in that particular contest. Like I said, it was a game of tactics. I'm sure the Ivorians did not see Nigeria's formation coming, and then it gave them a lot of problem all through the game. And the moment Nigeria got that goal from the penalty spot in the second half, you know, you always know it was going to be difficult to break down the Super Eagles. Um, every neutral will have enjoyed what panned out on that day. Perhaps apart from the the fans of the host team, that's uh, Ivorians who were in their thousands in the stadium, clad in their orange jerseys. Unfortunately, the elephants could not trample on the eagles who flew past them on the day. Like I said, it was a good game of football. It was um, it was something to be proud of for the Africa Cup of Nations. It shows how far African teams have come in terms of uh, adapting to footballing tactics and interpreting them effectively on the field of play. Some football analysts did not give Nigeria any chance of winning Ivory Coast. What do you think made the difference for the Super Eagles? Yeah, you can pardon anyone who did not give the Super Eagles a chance of beating the, the Ivorians. Why? If you look at what Nigeria did in the first game against Equatorial Guinea, yes, Nigeria created a number of chances, but they could not bury them. And then um, they, they were not that up to scratch in terms of the overall performance when you're playing against a team that is not regarded as one of the best in Africa, talking about the Inzalang National of Equatorial Guinea. So if anyone, due to that, Roots of the Super Eagles ahead of this game, you can always pardon them. But talking about what made it for the Eagles, I think changing the formation to a 3-4-3 formation by Jose Pesero was a masterstroke because it, um, it ensured that Nigeria were compact defensively. They did not go gungo at their opponents who are playing at home. So have the vociferous crowd behind them. They left the owners to Cote d'Ivoire to break them down. It was a masterstroke indeed, because individually, I think many of Nigerian players could have struggled in a back four formation against Cote d'Ivoire. But having them in a back three or sometimes back five meant that they stayed together, they were able to help one another, they were able to snuff out many of the dangers coming from the Ivorians, and they reduced them to long-range attempts this was a very, very crucial. Majority of the saves Nigerian goalkeeper made was from long range. And um, in the end, like, like I said earlier, they got a goal, of course, in fortuitous circumstances through the penalty spot. And once they did that, they knew they had nothing else to do than to just wrap up the points. So that change of formation to a back three by coach Jose Pesero 
was really, really uh, a, a masterpiece for Nigeria Super Eagles. Fisayo, what's your take on the last Group A games as Nigeria will play Guinea-Bissau and Ivory Coast meets Equatorial Guinea? Well, the host nation Cote d'Ivoire have it all to do in the final group game against Equatorial Guinea. For Nigeria, having garnered four points from two games, I think they will believe that they are home and dry in terms of qualifying for the next round. You know, but for Cote d'Ivoire, they have three points. They are behind both Nigeria and Equatorial Guinea. Equatorial Guinea as well with four points and a healthy goal difference of plus two. They might also believe that worst case scenario, they will advance as one of the best losing sides in the AFCON tournament. So it will be all to play for. The Ivorians want to, they will want to get back the, the trust and the love of their own fans who were disappointed on Thursday night when they played the Super Eagles. So they want to go, they would like to go out against Equatorial Guinea, the same team that they beat two years ago in Cameroon. They would like to do it again and because it's much more important for them to finish in the top two of that group. Uh, perhaps that will determine the, where they play their next game. They don't want to go far away from, from Abidjan. So, yes, that's what to expect in that final group game between Cordova and Guinea-Bissau. I personally think the Ivorians will win that one. They say um, Lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. So, I think at the Olympic Stadium, you know, it, it being paid that day, Cordova should, should carry it there. And for Nigeria, yes. They play against the Guinea-Bissau side that they'll be facing for the fourth time in the last two years. And they will remember vividly that last year in Abuja, the wild dogs of Guinea-Bissau came to Nigeria and beat the Super Eagles. So they cannot afford to underrate them. Yes, they, they have secured four points, which also should take them to the next round, perhaps as... Worst case scenario as one of the best losers, but they need not to drop the momentum. Now that they've beaten the Ivorians, keeping a clean sheet, they know that only an outright win against Beginning Bissau will continue to give their fans the confidence that the Super Eagles can actually do it again in this tournament. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Abidjan, Ivory Coast. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. the sunny side of sports on facebook x formerly known as twitter and at voaafrica.com my facebook address is facebook.com forward slash voa sunny my x formerly known as twitter handle is at voa sunny sports and if you go to voaafrica.com you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes Check out VOAAfrica.com for lots of African news, 
for world news, go to voanews.com. Time in Africa this weekend. It'll do all that for you and more. I'm Heather Maxwell. I know good music. And Africa is my passion. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for one hour of commercial free pan African music of the highest caliber. You get great music, music news, and amazing artist interviews from rising stars to superstars. This listen will take you places. So do it. Join me for Music Time in Africa, your weekend destination. And your sporty destination is right here. On the sunny side of sports, let's go down under now. Craig Gabriel has an update for us on the Day 6 action at the Australian Open Tennis Tournament. The day before at the Australian Open, there were three rain interruptions and almost every match went the distance, which delayed the schedule. What a difference, though, a day makes. There was fine weather and matches were finishing fast. It was like all the winners had dinner appointments or needed to be in their seats at the theatre. Let's start with the women's defending champion, Irina Sabalenka. She beat Lesia Serenko. Six love, six love. And now she'll take on Amanda Anasimova. We hear from both women. Sabalenka was asked if she's a perfectionist. And Anisimova spoke of playing Sabalenka next. Oh, well, there is always something to improve, you know, so uh, that's why you just, can't, you just can't be happy with the level you are at right now, so you always have to keep, keep moving, keep improving, so that's why I said, like, even better. <laughs> yeah, she's um, an amazing competitor. She's had a great year, so I know she's going to be coming in hot, um, playing well, so... I'm expecting a really good match, and yeah, we're both very big hitters, so it always ends up being um, an enjoyable match to watch and also for us to play, I think. So I'm just really looking forward to it, and yeah, I think it'll be a good experience. Coco Golf was very impressive too. She made quick work of Alicia Parks, 6-love, six 6-2. Six Taylor Fritz won in four sets over Hungarian Fabian Maratson. Karan Hashinov has advanced and he'll be playing Yannick Sinner, which should be a really good match. Sinner beat Sebastian Baez, 6-love, six 6-1, six 6-3. I love the conditions also today because was no wind and no sun so it was for me a little bit easier to get used to it and I felt great the ball I, I made the, the right decisions and I used every chance I had today. 
Homegrown favourite Alex Dimonor is into the last 16 for the third year in a row. He's never made the quarters at home, but has done so at the U.S. Open. Last year, American Ben Shelton had his breakthrough by reaching the quarters, but this time he's been stopped in the third round by Frenchman Adrian Manorino, who came back from two sets to one down to win 6-4 in the fifth. And for the first time this Australian Open, the men's defending champion Novak Djokovic has won in straight sets, beating Tomas Martin Echeverry 6-3, 6-3. 7-6. Day 7 of the Australian Open and Carlos Alcaraz will be playing Jerry Shang of China who trains in the USA. This is the first time in his pro career that Alcaraz is playing someone younger than him. Alexander Zverev will play Alex Mikkelsen. Vika Azarenka will take on Yelena Ostapenko who's never beaten Azarenka. Cam Norrie plays Kasper Ruud for the fourth time. Ruud's won all the other three. And Daniil Medvedev meets Felix Onge Aliasim. Let's see how Medi shapes up after his last match, which ended at 3.39 in the morning. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Melbourne. Thanks, Craig. Pro basketball, five games on Thursday night in the NBA. Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks was the night's high scorer. He fired in 41 points as the Knicks beat the visiting Washington Wizards 113-109. to The Oklahoma City Thunder topped the host Utah Jazz 134-129. to Star guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander with a game-high 31 points for the Thunder. The Chicago Bulls scored a 116-110 to road victory against the Toronto Raptors. Now, the Raptors traded their Cameroonian star, Pascal Siakam, to the Indiana Pacers this week. Siakam did not play in Indiana's 126-121 to road victory against the Sacramento Kings. And in one more NBA result Thursday night, the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the visiting Memphis Grizzlies 118-103. to And that wraps up the January 19th edition of the show. Thanks to producer David Vandy and engineer Jumbe Hamza. And thank you for tuning in. Have a nice weekend. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. We'll be right back.